All right, all right, all right. Welcome everyone to season three of Good Stories Why Relationships Matter, my podcast from Goody Nation. I am Joy Womack, founder, CEO. And at Goody Nation, we're closing the relationship gap for tech focused social entrepreneurs from all backgrounds, as well as diverse founders. It's been a crazy journey over these last uh, two seasons. Tons of amazing stories, tons of amazing people, pure awesomeness. So I'm super excited to kick off season three. It is Women's History Month, and I'm joined by some awesome people who are going to share their origin stories. They're going to talk a little bit about why relationships matter for women in tech. You know, get to know them. So without further ado, I'm going to kick it around the horn. I'm going to start with uh, with Naya for a quick introduction. And then after all the introductions, we'll go back and start getting into origin stories. But Naya? Yes. Uh, happy Women's History Month. Super excited to be here. Thank you, Joey. So I'm Naya Powell, founder of Utopia Spa and Global Wellness. And we are a mission-driven social enterprise, basically our tech-enabled platform, allows you to enjoy virtual, live, and on-demand wellness experiences from around the world. So everything from yoga, Pilates, multicultural movement, African dance, mindfulness. And we're really helping not only individuals, but corporations um, in this area of burnout, global stress epidemic, and also really embracing the fact that we are a global society, bringing wellness practices from around the world. Um, so we can also increase that spirit of belonging and inclusion. So that's a little bit about who I am. And um, I think I should pause there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to kick over to, to Casey next. Hey, everyone. So great to be here. My name is Casey Gordon. I'm the founder and co-CEO of It All Media. We are a home for the new stories that define us in conversations women want to have. Our co company started with a podcast. I'll be cautious of my F-bombs, but F It All is the name of our, our initial podcast, and it's Modern Women Redefining What It Means to Have It All. This will go, we'll touch on this when we talk origin stories, but uh, through my own mental and professional life breakdown, started asking, what does it mean to have it all? And through that, spent a year interviewing women on a podcast and came to know three truths. The first is uh, modern womanhood is wrought with impossible standards and tensions that leave us feeling unfulfilled, um, insecure, and generally, like we are falling short in every area. Somewhere along the line, you can have it all became you can do it all and you better do it all by yourself perfectly. The second was um, systems are built or perform exactly how they're designed, right? Like when we look at family, community, work and life systems, they weren't designed with women, uh, with um, people of color, with really outside of your very traditional straight white men, they weren't designed for all of us to be equal and valued architects in them. And then the third is we cannot be what we do not see, where there's a deficit in stories and narratives of women living life on their own terms without a quote unquote otherness. So our company exists to tell those stories. We believe that stories inform behaviors, behaviors, actions, action systems. So excited wow. to be here today. I love it. I love it. Thanks for joining us. Amma? Hello, hello. Um, thank you so much for having me on here today. I am a community manager for a startup based here in Atlanta. Um, super excited to be here. I also work with Goody Nation and just going to kick it back to you, Joey. Awesome. Awesome. Sharita? Hello, everybody. 
Happy International or Women's History Month. Uh, my name is Sharita Smith, and I am founder of the Women's Gig Network. The Women's Gig Network is a network community designed to support women working in the gig economy, most specifically women in rideshare and app-based delivery services. So I have been dedicated my life to the rideshare industry since 2014. I was a Lyft driver part-time, transitioned to full-time. Then I moved on to Lyft's Driver Advisory Council, representing all of the drivers in the Pacific region. So drivers in California, Hawaii, Nevada, and I liaised between the company giving feedback on what our drivers' needs and wants were. Um, from then... I moved on to California's Yes on Proposition 22 campaign in 2020, and I was the director of women's outreach. And there I was able to find out that there were so many gaps in the gig economy period across rideshare and across delivery drivers. Um, this time, I'm not only talking to Lyft drivers, but I'm talking to women across the board. So I really realized that there was such a big gap for us as far as safety, support, connectedness. And it's something that always was kind of avoided at the companies. So I am here to connect these ladies to help give a platform for women to feel safe, to feel valued, and to feel heard that are working in the gig economy. Oh, and and I am an alumni relation manager at Goody Nation. So I'm just super happy to be here. Thank you. There it is. There it is. So Naya, let's let's start to get a little bit into origin stories. But before we do this, I want to get a, a little bit of context around at Goody Nation why we, we believe that relationships matter. So typically all the discussion around startups in particular is like financial capital, founders need money, money, money. And that is absolutely true. But again, refresher course at Goody Nation, we believe that social capital or relationships sit at the center of business. So how that plays out if you don't have access to awesome people, specifically those that work at top companies and those that graduate from top colleges, it means you have lack of access, yes, to financial capital, but it also means you have lacks of access to people who you can employ, lack of customers, also lack of uh, people who can give you advice to navigate these tough challenges all of which leads to higher levels of stress. And so we believe at Goody Nation, if we can connect people through deep relationships and origin stories to other awesome people, awesome things can happen. So with that being said, Maya, let's get a little bit into how you came to be who you are today. Yes, absolutely. So um, I love to share my origin story. I'm definitely a product of my household, my family legacy, my upbringing, all that good stuff. So I'm a third generation entrepreneur. Um, and so with that, you know, I entrepreneurship just kind of runs through my 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 veins. Um, and so I have to share that my father has always been very health conscious, marathon runner, vegetarian, pescatarian, um, started and built from the ground a uh, multi-million dollar government contracting business. Um, we were def definitely impacted by the government shutdown in 2009. Uh, but from early on, I saw his modeling of focusing on health and wellness, also being a founder and entrepreneur. 
and a builder. My mom actually became um, the first national black director, sales director in Mary Kay for the state of Virginia. And even though she's been retired for over 10 years, she's still the only black woman to achieve that status. So you have kind of the beauty, the women's women empowering women. And then you have my father, this health and wellness and this builder. And so I say, you put all of that in a bowl, you mix it up and you get me. And so what I learned from that is just one, I think that what that does is it produces a mindset of being very solution oriented. And, you know, where some see a problem, I could go into almost any business and easily see or consult with other founders how they can increase, you know, productivity or profitability, sometimes even better for others, (laughs) of course, than ourselves. But what I also saw um, and what that also taught me was like really a strong work ethic. With that, at the same time, we know as founders, our wellness suffers. And so I have worn hats throughout my career, um, you know, in corporate America, as well as a founder. And one of the things that I've seen is, is we are in both sides. We are suffering exponentially with burnout. And as a woman of color and a woman, the other things that I've noticed is that there are just so many headwinds and barriers that we're all facing. And so when I think about my journey, I went to HBCU, went to Clark Atlanta University. I studied studied business. Marketing is my concentration. Loved all of that. And at first I went into corporate America. And initially, because I think that's the path that most of us think that we're supposed to be on, I realized really quickly, like, this is going to suck the life out. Out of me. And so I need something that really feeds my passion and my purpose. But what is that? Because we haven't really been, most of us are not necessarily, even in an entrepreneurial family, both my parents, first generation college uh, graduates, the first in their families to go. So there's still not always that cultivation of what is your purpose? What are you passionate about? And I realized quickly I needed to tap into that. So as I started to learn more about the health and wellness field, I started to dive into that a bit more, even while I was working in corporate America, part-time, on the side, volunteering, just showing up in spaces that fed my spirit. And While I was feeding my spirit outside, I understood that what was paying the bills was also draining the life out of me. And I realized that I was not alone, that this was the case for most people. And so with my understanding and my own experience of um, realizing that there's so much, um, I will say, use the word oppression. There's so much oppression in the world that we live in, um, even from the relentless grind, um, from for 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 I would say as a as a black woman um, and just people of color underrepresented in corporate and the startup community, there are so many barriers that it takes its toll on us from a a holistic health perspective. So mentally, psychologically, emotionally financially. And so if we're not able to easily um, bring in the bread to feed our family, then that's a mental barrier that we're trying to you know, overcome every day with just getting out of the bed and just getting into work and just being able to show up. Um, and then it's like you talked, you said, Joey, you know, it's all about relationships. So if you don't have people that are sponsoring you or mentoring you or advocating for you, then you're also at a disadvantage. So with all of those things, um, I originally started with creating Spa Utopia and Spa Utopia, I would call it our phase one, luxury spa services on demand to make wellness more accessible. But what happens 
is my mom has a quote that says, go as far as you can see, and then you will see further. So while I was starting the company, I then became a massage therapist myself. So I could knew, know how to do some of the work. And while I was in school, I then learned around, about aromatherapy and essential oils and natural health. And I also learned about uh, traditional Chinese medicine. And so my mind started to open up. And then I learned about the world of coaching and realized that I'm so passionate about sharing knowledge and empowering people to live their most passionate lives on purpose, holistically, mind, spirit, body, emotionally, relationally, professionally, because our lives are whole, holistic, you know, components. So it's all of these spokes that make up the wheel of life. And so from me recognizing that, I also was seeing my lived experiences, my family, those that, you know, we might be really uh, making it happen in one area, but as a the safe, as from the entrepreneurial side, we're out here, we're grinding, we're hustling, we're making it happen. But what's happening to our family at home? Because we're always on the go, the relentless pursuit, or what's happening to our own health. So my father, who a lot of my love for and passion for health and wellness comes from, marathon runner, vegetarian, pescatarian, but growing this huge business, I also now can see how that's caught up with even him. And so he wasn't able to outrun the implications and the, the, the debilitating impacts of stress. And my father has survived a few strokes mm-hmm. and has a rare condition called PLS. Mm-hmm. That is a result of years and years of chronic stress of being in fight or flight. So it has just made my why at an all time high for, you know, people across the board, like how can we really take hold of our well-being? How can we really elevate our self-awareness? How can we incorporate holistic lifestyle strategies at work and at home that allow us to be conscious of how am I doing? Am I feeling tight? Am I feeling like I'm about to have an anxiety attack? Am I feeling like I can't even focus because I have so much stress? Do I need to just get outside and go for a walk? Do I need to practice a little mindfulness? Do Could yoga benefit me? And so that is what has produced the passion and the fire that I have for bringing wellness practices from around the world. And really what happened when COVID hit was we could not gather and do hands-on personal services in the same way or tend to our corporate clients in the same way where we were going in and providing services or the Red Hats, the IBMs, the, the NFL even. We couldn't do that anymore. So we had to press pause and say, how do we leverage technology in new and innovative ways that's going to allow wellness and self-care to be safe, convenient, and accessible for all and providing something at every level. And we really realized that within a few months that we had people join our platform from seven countries, five continents, and we were able to bring together a community of wellness thought leaders from five continents. And so this is where uh, we are now. And that's how we went from Spa Utopia to Utopia Spa and Global Wellness and really uh, extending our platform to individuals and corporations. Nice. Nice. Wow. Wow. Powerful. Super powerful. Super powerful. Casey, let's, let's, let's hear from you. What's, what's your origin story? Um, first of all, Naya, so many things you were saying over there. I'm like aggressively head nodding for those that are listening, not watching. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Um, that is my experience. So amazing. 
Um, my story. So born and raised in a small town uh, in Fr- Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia, was the first of my immediate family and really extended family to go to a four-year university. And um, growing up, I felt all that pressure of like, you're the one that's going to do it different. So like, while you have all the opportunity and support, like, do not mess this up. And so, you know, that's the perfect breeding ground for some perfectionist tendencies. And then it became achieved. Like that was where so much of identity came from is going to the right university, um, doing all the clubs, pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. And I think that this is true of especially we see it, you know, there's more women in um, leadership roles, higher educated than we've ever seen before. And there's this achievement mindset. And so many of us do carry the weight of those that came before us and the opportunities that we have. And so I spent the first 10 years of my career, I say, on a sprint. Like I was a VP. I think when I was, you know, 25, I was, you know, earning six figures. Like I was accomplish, 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 running, working insane hours. And I was always, I I love that about myself, right? I think that's what eventually brought me to entrepreneurship, this ability to build, take advantage of new opportunities. But I was nearing 30 at the time. I knew I wanted to start a family. And um, that was the first time in my life that physically... I just couldn't run at the same pace I had been running because, you know, sleep deprivation, that's a real thing. Um, You know, your body carrying another human, that's also a real thing. And so my, I, I tell that story because I was leading sales and strategy for a boutique consulting firm. As a founder, now I was able to build two other businesses before on somebody else's dime. 10 out of 10 recommend, like definitely try that if you can. Um, And so I was able to learn a lot of these lessons and be mentored and, and do that with a bit of a safety net before I went out on my own. Six months postpartum, I am promoted to senior vice president as I go on maternity leave. Amazing, right? Like at a headline, it's like, yes to that employer. Yes to me. That's amazing. I come back sleep deprived. My daughter, God love her, didn't sleep for the first six months. My marriage in a new state, because what did this look like now that you are two working professionals? At the time, I was also the breadwinner in my family. So an immense pressure there. Had the new home. I joke like, you know, if you wrote up having it all, it's like down to the dog and the picket fence. We had it. We had it all. And I had so many people looking on the outside, like, damn girl, like, look at you doing it. And December of 2019, I was driving to pick my daughter up from school and I thought I would rather run my car off the road right now than do anything else that I'm being called to do. Mm. And that was this moment to me of like, you have all the opportunity in the world. You have the education, the resource, a supported partner, and you want to do this. Remove any one of those. Imagine if you were a black woman. Imagine if you didn't have your university degree. Imagine if you didn't have a partner. Imagine if you were a single mother you would be screwed. You wouldn't have like it to walk away from a system that doesn't serve you. That is a privilege within itself. And so many of us, we observe what's happening in the great resignation. And yes, like I think that women are stepping aside and saying, we are going to go build a system that works for us. I'm not seeing women personally in my realm walk away to be like, girl, I just need to go sit on the couch. It's like, no, that's not what they're doing. They're saying that is a flawed system. I know how it works and I'm going to go do it differently. That was my experience. And so I chose in December, 2019, I said to my husband, this is what's up. I got to figure out an exit strategy. I don't know. For me, I didn't feel like the entrepreneur with the million dollar idea. And that was terrifying to me. I knew I wanted to work with women. I knew my own personal pain and what I was experiencing mental health struggle. 
but I didn't know what the idea was. And that was terrifying, especially as someone who I graduated and paid off $100,000 in student loan debt. I, um, you know, like I said, breadwinner in my family identity was completely wrapped up in what I did for my career. I did not know how to exist without those things. So then COVID hits and you're like, what is our economy going to do? Like, let's stay put for a second to make sure that, you know, we all live. And by September of 2020, it made it very clear, like I had to get out. It was like mental health, no matter what, we got to get out. I left my job and I was supposed to take 12 weeks. I turned down any other jobs, any other meetings. And I joked that I took six days. So that was healthy. And I've unpacked that with my therapist often. <laughs> um and so six days later, I said, like, I was really pissed. I'm like, what does it mean to have it all up at all? Like that, you know, that was my mindset because I'm like, I was told that I had to go do this and I did it and look where it got me. And so I started talking to women and my goal, I said, you know, I want to do a podcast. I want to tell 10 women's stories. I had women in my life, my co-founder being one, she had lived in the Southeast, got out of an eight year relationship and was in her mid thirties. There's a very specific narrative in the Southeast as a woman in your mid thirties that, you know, did you just miss your window? Mm -hmm. And instead of her doing that, she's like, yeah, I'm going to move to Thailand and go redefine my life. And I was like, yes, give me more of that. And so I reached out to my network, talk about network, about 300 people went through LinkedIn, personal emails. And I said, Hey, I want to do this podcast. I want to tell 10 women's stories. And in a week I had a backlog of a hundred. And that to me, like viability, feasibility, desirability, desirability confirmed. There was something there. And so Naya, I love your mom's quote around like, go as far as you can see, and then you'll see further. I'm stealing that, putting it on my wall because that's exactly it. I said, like, I'm going to start with a podcast. Everybody said to me, which, you know, for a perfectionist that was defined by our career was super triggering. Uh, So like, what are you doing now? Is this like a hobby? Are you just like... And it's like, yeah, I'm going to sit in my creativity for a minute. I had a wonderful coach, Megan Shakar. She said, you're allowed to be creative without building. If you sit in that, the build will come. You're also allowed to do things just because it brings you joy. You don't have to be paid for it. And that was like, I don't know why I needed that permission, but it was the permission slip I needed. And in January of that year, called my now co-founder. She had relocated from Thailand to D.C. and said, I know you've been working in social impact and and NGO, and I think there's a bigger story here. I think there's a broken system across all of these things and I can sell the shit out of it, but I don't know how to make systemic change. So like, do you want to come do this? And I joke that I'm a really good salesperson because she called me three hours later and she's like, yes, I will uproot my life. I will move to Atlanta. I will move in the carriage house in the backyard. Don't recommend this. I didn't tell my husband any of this. I did it like when I was driving one morning. So that was an interesting conversation. But we're, you know, a little over a year in now and we have 10,000 listeners on our podcast. Mm. We, we say we're facilitating a movement of women with a restless discontent for something more and a bias to create it. These are not women. I There's a Reese Witherspoon quote where she says, I'm so tired of watching movies where the woman shit goes down and the woman says, what do we do? She's like, what woman in your life knows that she asked the group, what do we do? She always has a plan. Mm. And so that bias to create it is something that, you know, we're just seeing consistently. So, so much of my origin story is wrapped up in the thing I'm building and, you know, it's, it's really hard to divorce them. And I still grapple with those um, I won't say demons cause they served me at some point. I wouldn't be here without them, but they, they're parts of me that maybe don't aren't as needed anymore, but they, um, they're still there every time I, I get the question of, you know, what does this look like in five years? What does this look like in 10 years? I love it. I love it. Powerful, 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 powerful. Woo. Two awesome stories. Amma, you're up next. Wow. 
Um, so I'm a little bit earlier in my journey, but I just want to say thank you so much to all of you women on this panel because it's the stories like y'alls that keep, you know, the rest of us going that one day we can actually, you know, wallow in success and just actually thrive in a different space that maybe we aren't actually rooted in earlier. So for me, I, you know, was born and raised here in Atlanta, but um, I was born to uh, Ghanaian immigrant parents. And I don't know if you guys know, but there's only certain careers that you are supposed to go into if you are an immigrant child. And so I went into healthcare. However, I knew quickly that that was something else, that that wasn't really something that I wanted to do. And again, I'm going back to just the story that Naya told and Casey told about just taking the opportunity to pivot and um, just even saying, you guys, sharing your story, your testimonies are going to change and have already changed so many people's lives. Uh, but yeah, so I ended up going um, going forth and just saying that I really was interested in another space like venture capital and Casey, I started my own podcast too. Um, and literally it's crazy because if you grow up um, in kind of like a uh, with a mindset of just having to be perfect or kind of just having to make sure everything is just like you dot your I's, you cross your T's. And when you're trying to take a, a chance on yourself, it's not, it's necessary. Like not necessarily the the I guess it's a little bit scary, um, and so like every single day it's uh, literally like a battle, but a battle that I'm just I'm happy to go on to actually figure out exactly what I want to do. So not completely exactly where you know I want to be, but I'm really excited for the opportunities to you know work with startups, work with Goody Nation, um, and just see what the next ten years looks like. But yes, again, thank you too everyone's story here. Nice, nice, nice. I mean, I'm, I'm like one of the most impressive people I've met. The, the intersection of, of health and interest in, in financial capital um, with the ability, amazing ability to tell stories is just inspiring to me. So, Sharita, I want to kick it over to you. So you talked a little bit earlier around, you know, Lyft and, and so on and so forth. How did you get to the Lyft part, though? I mean, what's the what's the origin story like, like pre pre Lyft? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, you want to get down and dirty, I see. <laughs> I am from Oakland, California. Um, Naya, shout out to a AUC Love. I went to Spelman. We probably were there around the same time on the yard. Um, so my background is actually I am, uh, I got a bachelor's in sociology from Spelman. Um, I, I thought that I wanted to be uh, in the FBI, like uh, that was my trajectory at the time. I used to intern at the Oakland Police Department in homicide in college, like that was yeah. where I was going. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm a, like what you said about ending up somewhere that you like initially had no plans of being um, and finding courage to just kind of let God or your higher force take you to wherever your purpose is supposed to be. Um, please let this be an encouragement to anybody. So, um, so my bachelor's is in sociology. I got a master's in justice policy from American university in DC. So um, again, I thought that I was going to be pursuing that route um, of criminology. Uh, I, I ended up uh, getting a job right out of grad school to run background investigations for uh, government employees. Um, that required me to have a background investigation, which was like a six month to nine month process where they never told you when it was going to end. So I had to get a job in the meantime. 
So I became a substitute teacher. So that substitute teaching job landed me a a long-term substitute teaching job. So I became a ESL teacher with no experience at all, (laughs) but I became an ESL teacher for early childhood students for three years. During the summer, teachers have months off. So I'm trying to figure out what can I do with my time off. Um, I wanted to go back to Atlanta and hang out there as an adult um, during the summer, have my car there. I didn't want to stay in D.C. So I brought my car to Atlanta and I signed up for Lyft. Mm. People thought I was crazy. I got ridiculed from my friends and family. (laughs) Mm. This is back in 2014. Why would you want to have strangers in your car? This is crazy. Don't you understand what's going on? Like, people were not feeling me, okay? (laughs) But I'm like, well, I really, really, really like driving. Um, I, I, I don't mind the kind of like alone time in the car. Like, I, I, it just felt like a really perfect gig for me. So my very first ride in Atlanta happened to be dropping a woman off to the CDC. How crazy, right? Looking back. So that was the only ride I gave in Atlanta. Um, I was too scared after that. I was like, this is not the job for me. <laughs> when I went back to DC, when the school year started, um, I started driving Lyft part-time and on the weekends. And I really, really, really loved it. Um, all the passengers, not all of them, but a lot of the passengers thought that I was this, you know, crazy free-spirited girl from California that wants to have, you know, passengers in their car. But again, it really worked out for me. I really loved it. And back then the money was super, super, super good. So anyway, I did that for like a year. Um, then I moved back to Oakland. Uh, my pursuit of criminology came back on me. The Oakland Police Department came and were like, came to visit me in D.C. and were like, "Hey, do you want to come? You know, work for us?" And I took, I, I said yes. So I moved back to Oakland to be a cop. I was gonna finally go be a homicide, uh, be in the homicide, the homicide department, like I had always, you know, always wanted. So I got an injury that didn't end up working out. So I'm in the Bay. It's super expensive. I have no desire to be there at this time (laughs) with no job. (laughs) I could have stayed in D.C. and kept my teaching job. But now I'm faced with this new conundrum. And what do I do? I drive Lyft again. Mm. So Lyft kind of was just like always there for me along the way. But again, so I I did that in a transition. Then I worked a couple of other jobs in um, in the Bay. I did uh, some, I coordinated, or I'm sorry, I developed and coordinated a pilot program for San Francisco Unified School District to connect um, at-risk middle schoolers to um, to opportunities. We would go to Facebook and Instagram and um, tech campuses and things like that just to give them some exposure opportunities. Um, after a year and a half of doing that, and, and it was so, such a far commute. I was commuting all the way from Oakland to San Francisco, like deep in San Francisco. If you're aware with that commute, it was maybe like an hour and a half a day each way. So what would I do after work? I would drive Lyft. <laughs> I could maximize my time and I wouldn't feel so bad about sitting on the bridge. So uh, a- after that, I decided to, um, I didn't want to be uh, working in the same type of capacity with other people, with children. So I, but I still wanted to do the work of justice policy. <clears throat> so I started working as a consultant at a firm in Oakland and it happened to be right down the street. I'm like walking to work now, like what a dream come true. <laughs> uh, 
But at five minutes or five months into that job, I was let go. Mm. And I was let go less than a week before Christmas. And I was just so beat down because I was so excited to finally have this job I could walk to. And I didn't, um, I, I felt very much like I was in flow and in purpose at that job. So when I lost the job so abruptly, um, I was completely deflated and I didn't know what to do or what I could possibly do. I'm in the Bay now. It's super expensive. I'm like, there's tech opportunities all around, but I don't have a background in tech. I don't know what to do here. Um, But I said, you know what I do know that I can do and I can do well, I can drive Lyft. Mm. So I drove Lyft. I was committed to drive Lyft. Until I found the perfect opportunity. I was so rejected. I was deflated. I was so mad. It's really hard being a black woman working in justice, in the justice, in justice policy, um, especially when like higher ups are out of touch with the communities that we're that we're working with. It was just always a struggle and I was over it. So I was just like, I'm going to stay driving Lyft and uh, opportunity is going to come into my backseat. Guaranteed. I'm in the Bay. It's all good. But I, I, I gave myself one year of doing that. <clears throat> so, of course, that year I'm like super depressed because I lost my job that I went to grad school for and I felt like I was in purpose. I mean, I could walk to it. What, what more could you ask for? So I had a lot of emotions going on that year. Um, a good friend of my, my closest friend that I, my closest friend that I, um, uh, called after I got let go. Um, he was working at Twitter and he, um, was trying to encourage me to, uh, get into tech some type of way. He walked onto tech. He didn't even have a degree. So he walked into tech and he was like, this is what you should do. Just try to, you know, try to get a job in tech somewhere. So I'm like, you know, I don't know what to do. I'll, maybe I'll apply at Lyft cause they won't be so mad about this gap on my resume. Cause I've been driving for Lyft, you know, <laughs> but, um, finally, uh, like the fall of 2017, fall of 2018, fall of 2018, um, I received some type of invitation to participate or, or apply for Lyft's Driver Advisory Council. And it asked if you, uh, you know, are you passionate about your community? Are you a, you know, good Lyft driver? And I'm just like, yeah, you know, this could be cool because maybe I'll meet somebody at HQ. I mean, it's right across the bridge, you know. So, I thought that I was going to be uh, applying for this program that was helping me be some type of community organizer in Oakland for Lyft drivers. You know, I, I, I was desperate, whatever, you know, this, this, this is a shot in the dark. Right. And, um, a couple months later, you know, I still don't hear from them. I'm just like, you know, who knows what happened. I finally hear from them and it's time for me to submit a YouTube video explaining, like creating some event that I would make or talking a little bit about my story in under two minutes. Um, I'm late to submit that. I didn't realize it was specific or Eastern standard time. I was thinking I was going to have to post it Pacific standard time. We had like a two day window. I missed that. Of course. I'm like, (laughs) what, (laughs) what am I going to do? So, um, a month later I got a call from Lyft and they were like, um, Hey, (laughs) Do you want the driver advisory council position? You, you, you got it. And I, you know, and they're like, you're going to be representing um, the Pacific region. So drivers in California, Hawaii, Nevada, and you're going to be paid for it. 
And I'm just like, <laughs> like for, for maybe like three weeks, I, I, I didn't tell people for real because I'm just like, I'm not sure if that was the thing I applied for. Um, but we're going to see. <laughs> um, cause I also almost didn't answer the phone that day. There was a lot of spam calls going on and I didn't recognize the number, but somehow I answered the phone anyway. Um, yes. I actually did get selected for the Driver Advisory Council program. I actually did, was uh, appointed to uh, liaise between Lyft Corporate and all of the drivers in California, Hawaii, and Nevada. And yes, I was going to be paid a stipend for it every single month. Mm. And I could not, uh, I couldn't believe it. But uh, the friend, my friend that I told you that worked at Twitter, um, four days after I uh, got the position and I told him about the position, he ended up, uh, taking his life. Oh, wow. So, so for the, uh, the entire year that I was on the DAC, um, I was completely channeling all of my emotions and, and, and pain about that. Cause that was my oldest friend. He and I had been friends since we were five. Oh, so wow. that, um, that really, the DAC situation or opportunity was just like a great, um, a great way for me to honor him, honor, um, just, I get emotional talking about that part, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, and I've never shared this part of the story, so forgive me. Um, but anyway, um, this is, this, this entire journey for me has been very, um, it's felt like a call. Like it has literally felt like somebody picked up the phone and called me like you are to go do this work because the doors just kept opening and it was really, um, I, I still don't understand. I'm like, what happened? You were just driving Lyft, you know, mm. but anyway, so the, that year during the DAC Lyft, it was a really pivotal year for Lyft. Um, they went public. So that was huge. Um, they also brought me with them to the bell ringing ceremony and I was on stage between the founders ringing the bell. Oh, you, you got to do the, you got to, come on now, I got to, we got to, we got to this is another conversation. I hope you got a picture, girl. I hope you got a picture. <laughs> the picture is, you, you got, yeah, I'll, I'll show you the picture. You, listen, I haven't told you that story, Joey. <laughs> No, no, we got to go. I got. I want to ask you about the whole like, like Uber, like show showtime and stuff or whatever. It is. So I rang the bell with the founders. They brought twenty one drivers with them, so it was really tight. Um, I was supposed to be standing behind the chief financial officer Brian, but he turned around and he was like, "Wait, we can nobody can see you." So he put me in the front. I'm like, mm. "Yes, I love you here." <laughs> so anyway, um. That was that was dope. I was International Women's Day guest speaker uh, in uh, San Francisco's hub, which was really tight. It was the first time women had all been brought together. Rem women in rideshare, women dr drivers had ever been brought together. So it was really dope sharing everybody's story. Every woman drives rideshare for a different reason and mm -hmm. comes to that work with other skills and other jobs and other things that they do. So it was so tight just to get to know that group. And that is, oh, I'll save that. So anyway, um, after the DAC year, uh, Prop 22 came 
And that was the super expensive ballot initiative. The, the most, it's an historical ballot initiative in California. It was like $120 million. So it was a big deal for everybody involved. Um, <clears throat> and Lyft actually uh, put me on the campaign team and I was working as dr a director of women's outreach on the community organizing side. So that's when I got an opportunity to not only work with drivers uh, of Lyft, but all of the other platforms as well, and um, all of the women. Nice. So, <clears throat> um, yes, so that's how I came up with the Women's Gig Network. Uh, because of COVID, there was no, uh, our initial plan for the campaign, the strategies had to be completely, uh, com completely redirected. And I started running Zooms, um, actually in independent of their instructions actually so that's a whole other thing but I started running these zooms for women realizing like this is not cool so many women have been impacted during the pandemic and we need to feel safe we already don't feel safe in rideshare but now it's the, the pandemic is here like we this has to stop there's something that needs to change <clears throat> Kamala Harris was getting ready to be um what was on the ticket to be elected. It was like a really powerful for year for women. So like, I wasn't, I was going to go, I was going to make, uh, create those Zooms. I didn't, I didn't care. So anyway, that's how we came up. Or I came up with the Women's Gig Network. Um, and yes, I, what I was trying, going to say earlier <clears throat> was that I never forgot the way it felt on International Women's Day to have that group together, all of those women I never forgot that feeling and I never felt it again. So I realized I think you're called to make that happen and to keep it happening for years to come. So that is my story. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you. Hey, that TED Talk was awesome. That TED Talk was awesome. <laughs> Thanks. No, I love it. That's that's super powerful. I think on on a, on a number of levels, a number of levels. So I, I wanted to to have um, just an organic conversation. I don't know if anybody has any follow ups or anything like that. I mean, but you know, why do relationships matter for women in tech? And I'll just kind of go around. The, actually, Casey, I may want to start with you um, if you're able to. Uh, any thoughts on it? Hey, Joey. Sorry, Sorry, give me one second. I'm having a technical glitch. Can you let me in? Can you let me in on the backside? I apologize, guys. This is real time. <laughs> there you are. I think you're on. You're just on mute, though. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. Can you tee that question up for me one more time? Yeah. So just saying, like, what are your thoughts on uh, on why relationships matter for for women in tech? Um. So a while ago, I can't remember who told me, I think it was a girlfriend of mine. She has a phrase, your network is your net worth. And my career started in sales. And so when you think about, well, think about the mission of Goody Nation, like your idea that relationships help people get further. Think about the people in your own life. That that certainly is true. And so when I think about women in tech and when I started in tech sales, I, my approach, when I looked at my peers, often I was the youngest in the room and often I was the only woman. I, I couldn't, maybe I could, it wasn't effective for me to emulate these other models that I was seeing, right? Like to be this kind of sales bro or tech bro, like those were the models I was seeing and that didn't feel organic to me. Well, when something doesn't feel organic and good, guess what? You're not, you don't perform well in it. So it was me sitting in that and saying, okay, well, what is it I want to learn? And so I started to anybody that came across my 
you know, radar personally or professionally, if they had something that I was like, that's freaking cool. Like, I love the way they delivered that. Or I really am curious about how they got there. I made the ask. I made the ask to take them to coffee. I made the ask for a virtual meeting. And I found that if I was willing to practice a little bit of vulnerability and a lot of curiosity, that people were willing to open themselves up to me. And that is when I started to see a shift. And just when I talk about very tactically in the career I was in, the sales role in performance changing, it was like, uh, there's a great... Um, talk by Ava DuVernay, and she talks about the intention of your attention. And so a lot of times it's like, I just want to close the deal. I want to get where I'm going. Well, if the intention of that, then that's so binary. Like you either do it or you don't. But if the intention is like, I want to meet good people and I want to do good work and I want to learn and become the best version. I found that that attracted, you know, and this gets a bit into like some energy of like who you're attracting that I personally subscribe to that because I've just seen it work really well in my own life. But I started attracting people who would mention my name in a room full of opportunities. They didn't have to close the deal for me. That wasn't their job. But would they at least invite me in there? I started attracting people who were willing to pour into me like and it didn't have to be this super structured mentor mentee relationship i realized that as the person that was seeking this knowledge that was being a sponge it was up to me to establish those dynamics and it was it didn't always have to be formalized and so i spent a few of years where that was my measure of success like who are you meeting what are the relationships you're pouring into and doing it from a really authentic and organic way. And I think that, that that every single one of us on this call would have our own way of doing that. Like, that's the biggest thing I would say when it comes to relationships. Like, don't try to be a carbon copy of what you see. If there's things you want to learn and try out, do that. But you got to like intention of your attention. What's true to you? And so as I started to see that, um, I also started to see, see things I didn't want to replicate, right? Like I think knowing what you don't want to do is also just as important as what you do want to do. So when I saw transactional relationships or I saw power dynamics at play and I started to step into more positions of power, becoming, having a team, being in leadership, I then could take that with me and say, with this privilege, with this position, what will I do with it? And so for me, those are the things that are at play. And I think also um, I've had some like not great experiences where I've not always been the proudest. I think when we think about women and as we grow in our career, there's this idea because there have been so few of us. And I think that even gets, you know, exacerbated. Look at um, women of color in positions. When you think about um, different genders or gender identities, like this gets even more nuanced. But there is told like there, get your seat at the table, not like, Hey, there's enough room. I'll come. It's like, no, there's one. And when you get there, Mm -hmm. If you're there, that means that somebody else can't be. And so we we start arriving in this way that doesn't, it may not feel natural to us, but we start blocking and tackling, keeping our only one space there. And I remember it was fairly early in my career. There was another woman and I, we were in two sales roles we made. Um, and it was put us in a position of basically go out there and run your own, you know, independent sales function. We organically wanted to work together as a team, but the structure in the relationship and the organization actually pitted us against each other. Oh, wow. And so I don't think it was an intentional thing. And there's some folks that might thrive in that, but you actually had these two women and it was really wonderful because we eventually got to the point where we had this super candid conversation, found out that I was making more than her. 
that we were being incentivized to do the same things, but because of the structure of the environment, we built that relationship, went to our leadership and said, actually, here's what we would prefer an incentive structure to be. Here's how we want to work together. Here's like a shared goal. And so I share that to just say that even as we, we might misstep along the way, but there's always a chance to back up call an audible and reboot the way this is done. Because I think that, you know, we're learning by what we see and sometimes there aren't clear, clear models of better ways of doing it. And we might have to create it ourselves. Mm, Powerful. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. Now I want to, I want to come back to you. I mean, why, why are relationships so important for, for women in tech, women in business? Absolutely. Um, For a number of reasons, especially when we think about women in tech, we are so underrepresented, right? So um, I have worked in the tech sector from a corporate perspective, from a global talent acquisition perspective, from a DEI perspective. And so, you know, I would just say even for, for minorities in tech, but especially when you talk about women in tech, so lack of mentors, uh, lack of role models, um, lack of, you know, we think about the increase of gender bias in the in the tech ecosystem. So it's extremely important so we can lift as we climb, so we can offer those mentoring moments, um, as Casey talked about. Sometimes they're unstructured. You know, I just recently had, as we talk about relationships, I recently had a woman journalist um, decide to do an amazing, actually a couple of them, amazing features on me, um, one in the Triangle Business Journal. From that, that opened up exposure where other people saw that and then scheduled time and meetings with me. One of them, although he's a, he's a man, his name is Gary, Dr. Gary McGrath, um, had me on his podcast, but then he introduced me to so many other people. So we think about relationships and how women in tech or women in uh, the corporate space can open up more doors, more opportunities through intros. Those articles were worth their weight in gold. Dr. Gary McGrath then introduced me to a lady by the name of Shelly Archibald. She's one of the first Black tech CEOs and still one of the only uh, to achieve that status in Silicon Valley. And so have a call with her. And that way she actually poured into me um, in that mentoring moment. It is life changing. So our lives can literally shift and we can go from here to here. Just by the just by one relationship, and um, I just can't say enough. Like how just hearing from everybody on this panel, how it's inspiring me. I've had those moments with mentors, with advisors, um, to help me to see that I don't I don't need to do things and participate in things that are no longer serving me. And I think sometimes as women, we can have this desire to please and be there for everyone. But we have to also learn how to put the mask on ourselves first. I've had um, even fellow founders in my Google community, you know, introduce me to certain investors or invite me into certain spaces or make sure that I have um, access to certain conferences where then I was able to meet that many more people to elevate my business or to even become a a client and have client acquisition. So it's really powerful. Um, that we are, you know, coming together so we can empower one another. And it's also the reason why, you know, Utopia is following global wellness. We do global women's retreats. Mm-hmm. And as the power of, you know, that I don't always like to say networking, but relationship building. And so our first one was in Belize, you know, powerful women from all over the world. There have been so many collaborations from that. Our next one is in Africa, uh, West Africa, the Gambia and Senegal in October. And we literally have women from around the globe. And I think about, 
being in those intimate settings where you can be vulnerable and transparent and empower one another, you know, we've been able to help create a funnel of global mentors for a nonprofit I do work with in West Africa called The Woman Boss. And from that operation, I've been um, nominated to be a part of the Women Rising Africa series. And so being able to see how we're creating these networks literally around the world so we can help each other with support, our businesses, mentorship, access to funding, it's incredible. So, um, I mean, I could go on and on, but but there's so much that we can do to continue to open the doors for others because a lot of times in these spaces, there are not many of us. Mm. No, it's powerful. It's powerful, especially on, on a global level. Um, I want to kick it to you. I mean, as an aspiring person in, in, in tech, not only tech, but also, you know, venture capital and, and investing. I mean, why is it so important or, or why do relationships matter so much for, for women in, in, in venture capital? I actually want to talk about two points. So the first thing I wanted to say this um, as someone, you know, who's, you know, in your early 20s and you may not have um, all the work experience to fall back on. Relationships are so important. Re- I think someone said this earlier, but it's, it's a difference between you being at one point and then the point that you're trying to get to. Um, so I really would tell a lot of young people who are watching this, who are listening, like, make sure you are fostering, cultivating good relationships, good friends. Do not just be someone who's transactional, but also a transformational person as well. Um, and then going back to your question when you were talking about uh, with the BC. This is such a hard industry to get into, especially if you are a black woman or you don't come from the conventional um, background that that is is mostly seen in VCs. So I would say relationships are so important because especially for me, um, I wouldn't be here without the relationships that I've made with people because I don't have this long background in finances and and different things like that. Uh, Relationships have allowed me to be able to get into the room with others for people. I think Casey talked about this earlier. You never know when you're talking with someone and you're telling them about your goals and, and your dreams, aspirations you guys are sharing. And then when they get into another room, they're able to big you up. They're able to talk about what you're doing. And that in turn can turn into an opportunity. Um, in BC specifically, one thing I will also say is that a lot there's a lot of young people who are trying to get into this space. And sometimes you're looking at the person who's way, way at the top. Um, but Issa Rae said this before. She said that sometimes you need to network horizontally. Um, mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you are networking with the people around you. Because just because, you know, you guys are all maybe, you know, associates or junior level or, you know, you're not the big man on campus. Does not mean that one day you won't. <laughs> you know, does not mean one day you won't be there. So never overlook the people who are around you. Um, so that's what I think about relationships um, in BC and moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Naya. I just wanted to add on that. Um, that is so real. So one of the things that that I wanted to call out, I used to work for Red Hat, um, a Google tech company. And one of my my fellow founder, Google founder friends said one day that that company is going to be your client. And we were able to start off Utopia Spawn Global Wellness when we pivoted and expanded with a global enterprise tech leader, which was my former employer, Red Hat. 
And that was from a relationship. And it wasn't from a senior level leader. It was somebody that was up here when I was at Red Hat. And I maintained that relationship and still am in community with the community that I helped to build around DEI. And they opened that door because they had influence and they made decisions for the VP around, you know, what they were going to be doing to foster engagement with their global team. And so relationships are so important and they really, really do matter. So I just wanted to to call that out. And it was something else, but I'll see if it comes back to me because I think it escaped me. You know, no, no, that's, that's, that's powerful. I mean, it's, that's, that's dope. Uh, Sharita, um, just, just quickly before we do uh, the last round of uh, contact information, um, any, any, any thoughts on, you know, why relationships matter? I mean, you, you gave some, some amazing examples. You could probably, you just kind of just dropped the mic in, in a number of different ways. I didn't know if you wanted to add any, anything else, including a very powerful example of how like one person can, can cause, you know, in a, in a tremendous inflection point in your life. But I don't know if you want to um, share anything else. So I got one piece of um, big advice from an executive at Lyft uh, named Sharita McMillan. She is the head of diversity and inclusion. She told me to make sure as a woman in business that I make that I have five mentors, five mentors that I trust or obviously that I will have to trust them, but cultivate relationships with women that you trust, cultivate relationships with women who have can, have demonstrated that they have uh, like a vested interest in helping your development professionally. Um, and really stay close to these women and build a mentor-mentee type relationship with them. Um, and that's something that I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm on number four. I got, I got, I got about one left, <laughs> but, but she gave me that game about two years ago. And um, I do feel like the value that having a mentor in your life adds is completely invaluable. So get, get you a handful of mentors. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, so we got like two minutes left. So we're going to lighten it around in terms of how can people get in contact with you all. Now I'll kick it off with uh, with you. Absolutely. So um, one, you can see the website that we have here is utopiasgw.com. To get in touch with me personally, you can just hit me up at naya at utopiasgw.com. Follow me at utopia naya, IG, naya. What is it? Naya, Utopia Living, Utopia Living with Naya. Got it all. So Utopia Living with Naya, if you want to follow me and you can see my link tree and everything else from there. And I just wanted to quickly say, relationship wise, I was just listening to a talk with Melvin Nunnery, Black billionaire. And he was just like, hey, you can't just get access to me. Somebody has to introduce you. Relationships matter. <laughs> there, it is. there it is. There it is. Casey, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, itallmedia.co.com. I know, so no M, just .co. If you go there, you'll be able to find us across all channels. We're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And then for my personal email, Casey, K-A-C-I-E, um, at itallmedia.co. Um, thank you so much for this today, Joey. We love what you're doing and very grateful to be here with all of you incredible women. Awesome. Awesome. Amma? Um, you can find me at uh, Amakesi at Twitter or on Instagram. And, and how do you spell that? A-M-A. And then the last name is K-E-S-S-I-E. And I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> there it is. There it is. And finally, Sharita. 
Yes, everyone, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, please. Um, I'm C-H-E-R-I-D-A Smith. Also, uh, you can connect with the Women's Gig Network at womensgignetwork.com backslash connect. And please follow us on Instagram at Women's Gig Network. Awesome. Awesome. This is an amazing conversation. I know I learned a ton about you all as, as people, as humans, but also the work that you're doing and why, why you're so passionate about it. And I can, I'm, I'm connecting the dots here. I connect in the dots. So everyone watching and listening out there, be sure to connect with uh, our guests here today. But more importantly, go out there and make the world a better place. And all we can do is ask you to make one connection, make one connection today or this weekend or over the next few days to make um, entrepreneurs, particularly that are diverse, or in this case, really women, uh, even better, help them connect them to the capital, to customers or to coaches. So this has been a great episode. Check us out next week uh, across social and also on Spotify, Apple Music and more. Once again, Joy Womack, founder, CEO of Goody Nation. Peace out, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to the Wild Relationships Matter podcast by Goody Nation. We hope you enjoyed it. If you were inspired, if you want to make a difference, if you want to close the relationship gap, please follow us at Goody Nation on all social media channels or log on to our website, goodynation.org.